Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. Holy Spirit, come among us and soften our hearts to the Word of God. Holy Spirit, come among us and reel, reel to us the heart of God and be a balm to our heart if we need that today. Holy Spirit, come among us with power and deep conviction, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If a friend or colleague or neighbor was to ask you why they should bother about church, what would your answer be? Could you give an answer? What would your answer convey to them? And do you think it might resonate with them in any way at all? Most likely your answer will be dependent upon your experience of church. So if you think church is boring, your answer is probably going to be a pretty dull. Or you might struggle and stutter to try and say something because there's something in there that says you have to have a good answer. And you just waffle something. Of course, on the other hand, if church has been beneficial to you, you may have something positive to say, but again, I wonder, would it resonate with today's culture? One analysis of today's culture suggests that people across the age ranges yearn for belonging and they yearn for purpose. They yearn for belonging and for purpose. So I wonder, have have you experienced either of those when you've shared in church? I know I have. I have. I've experienced a depth of belonging that is so very rare in our culture today. At one time I was part of a small group of young adults when I was in my 20s at a church in Edinburgh and some of them Jill and I are still in contact with now. They know the depths of who we are. They have journeyed with us through some of the darkest times in life. They have encouraged us. They have spurred us on and picked us up. We've hung out. We've had meals together in each other's homes. We've had a cuppa at the latest time of night you can imagine. We were family. And it really was and is a gift. So that even though we are in different countries now, we still make the effort to book a holiday once a year and go see them and be with them and keep in contact across the year. That's the experience of church that I've had. So that when church is at its best, there is true belonging. And it really functions like the best of families. But the same writer goes on to say that today's generation not only wants to belong, they want purpose. Indeed, they yearn to be part of a community that lives and works for a purpose higher than mere survival its own survival, a purpose higher than its own survival. Yet sadly, too often, how often does that feature in the church? Sure, we're a place you can belong, but we are very focused on our own survival, particularly when things seem threatening. And many a church lacks a sense of belonging to something greater. And maybe that's because we end up making church about us about me, about I. Sadly, too few of us 
have a sense of belonging to something greater, something that is worth living for, even something that is worth dying for, either literally or metaphorically. So by now you know that we're working through this new teaching series on our purpose and values, and today's value is the value of family. We're a family of all sorts of people journeying in community towards wholeness. Our passage has much to say about this value, but before we dig into it, it's helpful, I think, to recall some of the story of Moses. He was an Israelite, part of the Israelite nation that grew up in Egypt and became slaves to the Egyptians. And his life was at threat because of the command given by Pharaoh to suppress the growth of the Israelite nation. But his mother saved him. And he actually ended up living in Pharaoh's household. We might say as a prince of Egypt. But then, as a young man, he intervened in an altercation when he helped, uh, tried to help uh, a Jewish slave that was being mistreated. And that led to him fleeing Egypt, fleeing into the wilderness, into Midian, and living there as a shepherd for 40 years. And that's where we find him in today's passage. Moses is out tending his flock on the far side of the wilderness. And that's where God meets him. God catches his eye with a a burning bush, a bush that is not being consumed by the fire. And so Moses thinks to himself, well, that's pretty strange. I'm going to go see this. Yet before he can even take a step, God intervenes and says, Moses, Moses, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moses meets with God. This holy God that we were thinking about last week. And again, we see God keeping that distance because of his holiness. So Moses has this personal and life-changing meeting with God, which was our value last week, if you recall. But there's something we need to see in this passage, something else. As Moses encounters God, he receives a calling, a calling into something greater. Something greater than merely personal faith or personal benefit. And let's pause and think about that for a moment. Because, as I said already, we often make church, we often make faith or following Jesus about ourselves. How does it benefit me? Does it meet my needs? Does it tick enough of my boxes? What am I getting out of this? Do I really have the time for this? Yet Moses' story shows us that when we meet with God, he calls us into something bigger, something that has both belonging and purpose. God goes on to say, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God, in meeting with Moses, is calling Moses into this people again, into this family, the family of God. And so, uh, we sh- this should be quite familiar with us by now, because I've said it so often in the last couple of weeks, God has a heart to have a people of his own, and he's going to relate to them now, we see, as a family, with him being the perfect father to them. 
And, but in the very next people, he reaffirms this. He says, in the next chapter even, he says, When you return to Egypt, say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. The firstborn son, his pride and joy, his heir. So God has his heart for a people, but he has his heart for a family. He will treat them as his children. And he calls Moses out of the wilderness, out of estrangement, out of distance, and back into this place of belonging. When we meet with God, when we meet with God, it is meant to lead us to something more than just a personal faith. Yes, God wants you to know forgiveness. And he wants you to know peace. And he wants you to know hope. And he wants you to know life. But as we've seen, biblical faith is meant to be more than merely me, mine, and I. We're called into something greater. We're called into belonging to something greater. And that carries over into the New Testament. We read there, see, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Is what we are. Does it, is it core to your identity? Hope, I remember talking to Hope about this, the idea that we talked about this morning. It's a hard concept to, for a five-year-old to get her head around. This idea that as deep as your family roots go, you still have a family that goes deeper and for all eternity. And Paul carries that on. He says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, members of his family. With God as your father, we're called into something greater. We're called to belong to something greater, to something that can never be lost, never be taken away from us, even after death. Have we allowed this to grip us? Have we allowed it to shape our mind and our heart, to shape our living? The sense of belonging to the family of God, to something greater. Because when we do, church is no longer an event that we turn up to once a week. And it's no longer just a club or a loose group of people. It's your brother and sister. Someone you love and it really does become family and church becomes the best it can be God was calling Moses back into this family he's called us into this family and do we allow God's word to shape our thinking in this way because it sounds a simple lesson something you tell kids till they grow so old enough that they've heard it so many times, but do we live it out? Do we live it out? Do we see one another as our sisters and brothers in Christ? So, our family value says we're a family of all sorts of people, but it doesn't stop there. And it didn't stop there for Moses either. God goes on to say, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God has his people, his family. And he now tells Moses he's going to take his children on a journey, a journey out of darkness, oppression and strife and to a place that is full of joy and life and goodness. So when God speaks here of a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, he's simply using the language of the time. He's using the language of a shepherd. And he does so that he might paint a picture and help his people understand a a concept that we're familiar with, I'm sure, but it's still hard to get our heads around. It's spoken of in many ways throughout Scripture, often referred to as peace or in the Hebrew, shalom. Maybe our best contemporary word would be wholeness. Wholeness. And shalom has this idea of a wholeness that's both individual but collective. It's meant to ripple out across society and the wider world. It includes wholeness both physically, so that there's no more suffering or death. It's meant to affect us emotionally and intellectually. No more brokenness in those areas of life. It's meant to be part of our spiritual wholeness as well. In speaking of shalom across the scriptures, this is what God speaks of. Wholeness in its greatest extent that you can imagine. That's the peace. That's the wholeness that God wishes to give to his people. This is the wholeness he calls them into that would affect every area of life every area of brokenness. And so when Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full, he's not limiting this to forgiveness. His death on the cross was not just so that you can get forgiven. That's the tip of the iceberg. God's intent through Jesus is yes for you to be forgiven because you need that. We're all a bunch of sinners as we thought about last week. But that forgiveness is simply an entrance point into something greater, a greater destiny, a greater future. God intends for his people to know this shalom, his peace, his perfection, his wholeness. And so that's why our family value says we're a family of all sorts of people journeying in community towards wholeness. As a family, We're on a journey. And we do it in community because we need one another. But we're journeying towards somewhere. We're not journeying aimlessly. We're journeying towards life in all its fullness as part of the kingdom of God into that new heaven and new earth that will one day come. Now, at this point, I can imagine that there's either two objections or struggles with this. First of all, you might think, this sounds kind of selfish again, Scott, this me, mine, and I thing. Maybe it's too earthly-minded. Maybe it's sinful. Maybe I feel I'm, ba- I'm a bad person that I want this. But then also, remember, please, all I've done is quote Scripture. So God wants this for you more than you want it. God wants this for you more than you want it. He is a good God. 
He came to save that you might have life, life in all its fullness, life in all its wholeness. But I suspect the other struggle that will come to mind as I say this is a struggle that every one of us faces from time to time. And we are facing it even again today with the news that I've had to share. Because you hear this chat about a God, a God who yearns for a people of his own, a family of his own, that he came to die that they might have life in all its fullness, and yet this world is still so broken. And it's just getting worse, isn't it? You know, Jill and I were in for our 20-week scan the other week, and when the, the doctor found out I was a minister, lid came off. <laughs> It's about all I can say, because suddenly we're faced with all these questions about these very issues. It's where he went to. Second time we saw him. So maybe as I share God's heart, his heart to bring us on a journey to wholeness, you struggle with that. Because maybe in your life, or in the life of someone you love, all you see is brokenness. And the more you see of it, the more brokenness comes about because then it ends up breaking your heart and maybe even ends up breaking your faith. And friends, there's no silver bullet to that. There's no answer that fully resolves the pain. And in some ways, I believe there shouldn't be. Because when we try to have an answer, the answer, it probably just minimizes the dark and difficult realities we face. Yet know this, God is not unaware, nor is he unaffected. In the verses I quoted earlier, God said, I am concerned about their suffering. Now to you and me, concern probably sounds pretty cold, distant, about as caring as a politician, pick the one you'd most want to fill in the gap there. But that's a fault of our English, because the Hebrew word that's translated here, concerned, it involves the idea of knowing, of knowing with certainty, of, of knowing with intimate knowledge, even knowing with experience. So we could even paraphrase God as saying, I have experienced their suffering. I have experienced their suffering. Just as a parent may experience a genuine degree of suffering as they see their child struggling, so too does God. Yet God sees all suffering. So the hardship that you and I know in our life, and what we feel as we watch a loved one struggle, these are multiplied a billion-fold time a billion-fold for God, who has experienced the suffering of every life, of every moment of brokenness in this world, at least from the beginning of time, but as an eternal God, maybe he's always experienced it. And a day and a year can seem a long time in our lives. What's eternity like carrying all that suffering? God is not unaffected, friends. 
And out of the overflow of his love for you and me in this broken world, he desires for all of us to belong to his family and then journey towards his peace, his new kingdom, the new heaven and earth that we might know life in all its fullness. There's much more that can be said on this. The tensions of the now and the not yet, the tensions of waiting. But this is God's heart for us. He calls us into family and he calls us on a journey to wholeness. But he also does something quite strange with Moses. He says to Moses, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. God has his people, his family, and he has plans and purposes for them. And yet, for some unfathomable reason, God wants to involve Moses. This guy who messed up, he messed up so bad he had to flee when he was younger. And yet God still wants him to be involved. I think he does it so as to rewrite Moses' story. So that the, the future that Moses has is different from what he has had. Because God is calling him into something bigger, into family, towards wholeness, into a new story by being involved. And Moses responds, not only this one time in verses 11 and 12, if you go on and read, he, he responds four more times to God saying, God, who am I? I mean, come on, God, you might be God, you might have all wisdom, but this just seems crazy. Why me? No way. But God says, I will be with you. And he later provides Aaron and others to journey with him towards these purposes. So brothers and sisters, God has called you into his family. He has called you towards wholeness and he is calling you to be involved. That the future story of this place, the future story of an individual's life, the future story of our community might be different that you're part of a bigger story. You know, I, I'm, I'm journeying with, with someone who came to faith uh, about a year or so ago. And it's a real privilege to journey with this individual. And I'm getting to know this individual's story. And there are hard parts to the story. But I believe that God has got better in front of her than what she's known that there will be joy again. There will be peace and purpose because God is calling us all into that. And he's calling us to be involved. But maybe as you hear that, you're thinking, uh, that sounds a bit scary. I couldn't do that. I can't do what you do, Scott. I can't do what Jean or Anne did today. Well, Maybe you've got a different role to play. You will have, I'm sure. And you need to know that God will be with you as well. His grace and power will be with you to further what you might do in your life, to help us be a place of family, to help us be involved in the purposes of God. There will be others of us, however, who need to drop the excuses just like Moses had to. Because God calls us all to be involved for the sake of others, 
for the sake of his purposes, for the sake of his family. Because if this family value is to be realized more fully, we need everyone, brothers and sisters. We need everyone to play their part. And if we do, then maybe, maybe, when someone says to you, why should I bother about church? Your answer certainly won't be dull. And you might still stumble and stutter a little, but what you say won't be from a place of trying to come up with the best answer possible. You'll just speak from experience. And that might be captivating to them. Because you'll be speaking of something greater, of being called into something greater, of being called into the family of God where you belong, and into a purpose that is about more than mere survival, It's about inviting, encouraging, and enable people of all ages to encounter and follow Jesus Christ such that their lives change for the better. And they too journey with us as a family, as a community, towards that wholeness and peace which he promises and which we will experience one day when his kingdom comes in all its fullness and we share in that new heaven and new earth. I pray it may be so. Amen.